Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Yes, despite the weird grey weather, yeah, it's all good. The time change is not. It takes me a long time to get used to it. Yes, although still thankful for the extra hour. That's true. Yes, very but, much so. Yeah, but I don't like the dark no. coming in early. Mm. And it I seems do think very hibernation bad. could be a good option. Yeah. I think so too, actually. I you quite know, now al- I've got all my cocooning scarves and Yeah, and I quite like the idea of getting lots of nuts. I think that's good. Oh, God, that's good too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Very, very good point, yes. Yeah. Sorry, okay. there's some building work in the background you might hear. Can't oh, I can't hear it right now. Okay, okay. But how are you doing? How? What have you been doing with your, your in research my bubble. <laughs> in your In your clash bubble. Yeah, so um, the other curator, Gordon, he um, recommended this film, which I'd never even heard of, um, and it's called Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. It is not. It is. Have you ever heard that of it? Is, no, that's clearly the best title mm, ever. Yeah. It's, that's insane. Yeah. Where is it from? It's from, so it was, the reason he mentioned it, well, many reasons, but Paul Simonon, who plays the bass in The Clash, he's in it as an actor. He, oh, wow. So he sort of basically plays himself because it's about a girl punk band. Um, so wow. It, is it a real one or it's all fictional? It's all fictional, but in okay. there's also a male band which the girls are inspired by and they include Paul Cook and Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and the singer is Ray Winston. A very I don't know who Ray Winston oh, is. Oh, you look him up. You you do know. I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, he normally plays sort of hard boiled. Oh coffee. no, I do know who he is. Yes. Sorry, I was I was thinking this was going to be another punk No, band, no, he's an actor. Actually. Oh, I do know who yeah, he is. Of course yeah. I do. Yes. And the songs oh, are actually the songs are really good. So, it's oh, a wow. It's a very convoluted story that I can't, you know, I can't tell you should watch it anyway. I'm not going to tell you the entire story, but Okay. But just some highlights. So, when Please. It, <laughs> I mean, it sounds amazing. Yeah, it's got a lot of interesting people involved. There's the writer, someone called Nancy Dowd, and she wrote Coming Home. And she also wrote Ordinary People, which I, I don't think I ever saw, but I remember my dad thinking was amazing in right. the 70s. So it's a woman writer, but a male director called Lou Adler and also someone called Caroline Kuhn, who was a music journalist and done all sorts of other things. And she was the manager of The Clash for a while. She wow. she was like the, um, what's the word, advisor. So and then also the the girl who who sings in the in the band is Diane Lane, and Laura Dern is in it. Um, what? I know it is crazy. And then someone. How is this not you know well, something the, we all get shown at school for I, our education? Well, I think the reason is that it was never released. So ah, yeah, there's a clue. There's a clue. So it was. It was filmed in 1980. Nancy Dowd actually asked for her name to be removed because there was some issues with um, abuse on the film. And 
the operator apparently was was yeah horrible and so she had her name removed and then there was apparently some some um, what's the word dispute over how the film should end so that they've only filmed an end in 82 two years later and then they showed it to audience and i love the end i love the end but um they showed it to audience and it totally bombed so it was never released and then you know, in America, how they had sort of cable nighttime TV where they showed us. Oh, yes. Mm. So apparently it became a hit on, on that. And then it was finally released. It, it apparently inspired a lot of girl bands and riot girls. And so it was finally released uh, sort of a few years ago on DVD. And you can see, and you can watch wow. it online now. I, I thought of you when it when it started because... What's that film again? You know where that this is a famous makeup scene where she puts on the nun puts on the makeup. Oh, oh. Black Narcissus. Yes, and it's 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 obviously a very different thing. This, but it starts with a close up of um, Diane Lane and she's putting on makeup and she's talking to a reporter and um, she she wears this makeup which is red but a sort of very orange red, not a dark deep red, but it's a yeah. very orangey red and she has this sort of Siggy Stardust-like, two elongated uh, triangles in the corners of her eyes. Wow. So she's just, she sits there with this bright red pencil and she's doing her eyes while she's sort of saying things to the journalist. And you don't hear, the journalist is a man and he asks really stupid questions and you find out her mother has just died. And, and um, but she's all the time, she's sort of really defined and just putting on, putting on that makeup. And it's quite a long, it goes while the credits are running. So it's a really, really long scene that you, you wow. see her doing that. And then um, she and her sister, who's someone called, I think she's called Marion Cantor, and she she only played in a few mu- movies and I couldn't find out, find out what happened to her. So she and Laura Dern, they're the, they're the girl band, and they, they go on tour with this punk band. And the punk band is a support act of a really sort of washed up heavy metal band. And wow. yeah, so it's all complicated, but... So the girls are and actually. What kind of clothes? Do yeah, they so wear? the girls are. At the beginning, they wear sort of nineteen seventies, you know, slightly flared, slightly flared jeans and yeah. and long hair, you know, really nice. In in um, Diane Lane's case, really nice sort of auburn hair. Um, and then they they appear on stage, and they're not very good, and they look really boring. And then they change, so they come on stage again, and. Diane Lane wears this massive red, again, the same color red beret. And then she takes the beret off and she has her dyed her hair black. It's still long oh, wow. and it's got white stripes on the side and she's got this sort of spiky fringe. And she wears this red color again, see-through blouse with no, no, no underwear and underpants, black underpants type looking things. and fishnet sounds t- like an excellent outfit. Yeah, and fishnet tights. Um, wow. And I, I can't remember what she wears in that scene, but then there's a scene with a whole auditorium of girls, like hundreds, dressed like that. Oh, my God, yes. that sounds amazing. Yeah. So they always have these see-through blouses. They're, they're sometimes red, sometimes they're... You know how in the 80s there were a lot of vintage sort of 50s blouses around? So mm. that sometimes they're sort of white, nylon-y see-through blouses always with pants oh lovely subversion of sweet 50 yeah exactly Dakota. yes and always with these sort of high underpant type thing and um, almost like shapewear <laughs> it's very good and then there's one shot when it's just a row of you see the 
well, I'll come back to it for another reason in a moment, but you see this sort of row of, of legs of girls in, in black tights, but then they wear little socks in red or white and then um, wow. sandals. so again, like bobby socks. Yes, but they wear them with high 70s sandals. Or, I mean, I guess it's, yeah, 80 by that point. I mean, point. if it wasn't so cold, I'd say we should both wear this yeah. today. I mean, it's, there's sort of odd things about it. Like, once Diane Lane, she's called actually Corinne Burns, um, okay. but her stage name is Third Degree Burns. Um, <laughs> yes. Of course it is. Yes. Once she's unveiled her outfit, she has to walk around the rest of the film in, in that outfit. So she only ever wears the usually I think most of the time she just wears the underpants um they do give her a <laughs> once sort of, you've found a good outfit just you, work just it. stick with it she she does put on some sort of bra type thing at some point so it's it's just that first time that she doesn't doesn't wear anything mm. underneath and she has this very nice which is maybe in congress or not she has this very nice big beige brownie it's almost like a Max Mara wonderful big coat you know 80s coat so sometimes she wears that on top with her big beret to obviously she has to wear something warm because she's just wearing pants but then the most of the time she wears the pants and there's some sort of that's a good another good combination I know and it's it's very clever to keep warm but while still you know not compromising your look and the other two members in the band Laura Dern and this other person called Marin, um, they they also dye their hair, and they also wear this sort of red red makeup. And um, wow. Diane Lane always has red the red nail varnish as well, and bright red lips, um, always in this sort of color. And there's some black um, eyeliner involved involved as well. So that's so the clothes are really really great. But there's some sort of odd things in that. So she's obviously a really strong character, and she's also at times obnoxious and um so she's not nice but okay. you, you sort of feel she can't be anyway because people try and rip her off you know the music okay. music industry does and but then she's she sort of uses a song that ray winston has told and he, he's told her a sort of secret about himself and then she's not very nice to him afterwards and so it's it, they're sort of I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but yeah, she's sort of not not a very very nice character, but she comes across as really really strong, and I think that's the the point. Yes. But then the filming sometimes is very seventies sort of exploitationish. You know, there's a lot of shots of crot- uh, crotches. Be- okay. Because you know, having lots of women in pants gives that well, opportunity. Yes. And. Yeah, so there is, it's sort of a bit weird at times how things are filmed, you know, it seems to, in my view, undermine the message, you know, it's almost... Oh, that's interesting. But, you know, I've only watched it once, last night, quite late, so I definitely want to watch it again, Um, so I, to see what I, what I think about it. It's also quite, it's quite open about drugs and stuff, I think the film would not be made like this now, I think it would be much more censored censored in a way but the, the clothes are absolutely fantastic and particularly when you know when they are all these fans and at the end she she's sort of alone she thought she'd she'd lost it and she wasn't successful and then these girls come by on a motorbike and they wear these clothes again so they sit on the motorbike oh, wow. in the underpants and then she looks to where they're going with the motorbike and there's a whole group of girls and they're all dressed like that so again I think this is weird in itself isn't it that you have this really strong person, but then everyone imitates them. So not everyone 
through them becomes their own person, but they become a a copy. No, so but I, do you think is it like exact, or is it they're emulating someone in order to find something about themselves? Well, yes, there is that, and it's it's one of those films where they tell a lot they don't show. So okay. you know, the at some point one of the mothers sits there and she says, "I always treated my daughter badly, and I was treated badly by my parents, and I'm so proud now to see her doing this." So, and what you just said, one girl actually says she she meaning Corinne Burns, she says what I was never what I've what I never found the words for something to that effect. Right. So that is definitely the case and the singer she has this slogan called I don't put out which I had to look up have you do you know what I mean yes oh I didn't know that so I'd never heard that before so that's there she says oh you don't get me oh you don't understand me because I don't put out or you don't like me and so that's the sort of slogan we don't put out and they call themselves skunks skunks yeah oh that's interesting but it's also because it's like girl punk girl punks but also because of the hair which is sort of black and white stripes I guess so in some in in a lot of ways it is the the girls in the band they in the stains they are really strong and they inspire all these other girls but then the other girls look very look very similar they all have the black and white hair long and short so there is is some variation but it it is quite similar but do you think it looks I I mean it's hard without seeing the film but does it look quite powerful having lots of girls dressed like that Yes, I guess it's like a little bit like we talked about last week. It's a bit like an army. Mm, so, that's what I was wondering because it sounds so distinct. Yes. And so kind of, obviously it's not like Jordan, say. No. A sort of unique punk goddess, brilliant mm. person all on her own. Mm. But it sounds like at least seeking something different and finding it in being together. Yeah. No, there is... There is definitely that. And it's it's interesting how it's really on the edge where the 70s turn into the 80s. So it seems to have these both of these things in it, which I think is also really interesting. It's And their outfit is at the bowl at one time is sort of quite strong, but then it's also still quite girly with the socks. Yes. And yeah, it's sort of a bit weird and it's sort of yeah it's it's strong but at the same time some of the bits take some of that strongness away so it's a bit strange but but you're right there is some power in having so many of of them yeah and it yeah as you said it's because it's really like original punk style has kind of transformed by that point it's becoming increasingly kind of stereotyped and it's more what people now think punk was but that isn't what punk yes. original punk was. Mm, it, mm. It's kind of a, it's like more extreme and the sort of really extreme dyed hair and everything. Yes, mm. which wasn't there at the beginning. Yeah, in quite the same way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. So that seems interesting. And yes, as you say, it's sort of the point in the early eighties where it's turning into other other subcultures. Yeah, or kind of mixing with them more. Yeah, it sort of looks sort of new wavy. Um, oh, and is it, bit. I meant to ask you at the beginning, where is it set? Um, it's set, so it was a pan, It was filmed in Vancouver, but okay. it's never, so it's set in North America, so it's never right. obviously in a place. They are in a mining town, so you do see some factories at the beginning. Right. But quite quickly, they go on tour, and they're in the tour bus, 
and then you just in the venues so or in motels so you're actually inside oh, that's interesting at the beginning you you see more of the outside actually now that you're asking me that and then i think it's mainly the inside of the venues or the hotels yeah they're not so much outside anymore apart from that there's one time where at, at the end again she's outside when she sees the girls on the motorbike and there's also one night when they think they've lost it um because because she steals that song from the punk band, the male punk yeah. band, the male punk. When he's on stage, he says to everyone, they've sold out. You know, they're not authentic. Yeah. They're just the front. Um, so when, when they think they've lost a day in the s- streets at night and they see themselves on, the, on TV. And so, so they're that's outside. That's really interesting because mm. it seems like there's lots of mirroring. Like, like it sounds quite... Are not weird, but quite interesting that, that that they keep seeing other versions of themselves. It's like they keep being represented back to themselves. Yeah, that's a really good point. And there's also there's one uh, sort of in exchange between her and Corinne and the promoter, who's an older guy, um, a music industry guy. And he said something, and I thought at the time I must write this down, and then I didn't. But he says something like, you're just a concept and you've blown the concept. And I thought that was uh, so interesting. Um, yes. At some point, she's also accused of just being hair. You're just hair. And um, when she's attacked, she's attacked by the other by the fans. She's attacked with hair dye. Oh, really? Yes. What, they're throwing dye at Yeah, her? yeah. Oh, my God. That's I mean, I would, have, I would have thought it's black paint, but then I read about it and people said it's hair dye. So maybe there's something that I missed that makes it obvious that it's hair dye. Um, wow, but the so, end. The yeah. so, so so they she then sees these you know girls on a motorbike etc. And then it it cuts to MTV. And so oh. when the film was actually made, MTV didn't exist. So it only came out in eighty one. So then they they make this ending in eighty two. Nick, they basically film a video, a music video, and it was you can tell everyone is older. Like the three girls in the band or young woman in the band are. Yeah. Are obviously two years old, and they look totally sort of new wave. They have very coloured tights. They have um, very colourful outfits. Really yeah. different hair, long hair now, not spiky or weird colours or anything like that. And it's uh, it's actually a great music video. The music generally is really good, um, mm. and I, I need to get hold of the soundtrack. I really love love the music all of it that which I should mention seems to be primarily written by someone called Barry Ford who is also in in the film and he's a Rastafarian he drives actually the bus Um, so there's a the subplot there as well there's really a lot packed into this one film it is and it sounds like sort of stuff from the Sex Pistols what is it that Johnny Rutten says about have you ever felt you've been cheated or you know the famous thing he said and like the great rock and roll swindle it sounds like there's kind of echoes of that in the idea of being ripped off or selling out or Mm. and there's like this fine line between being successful and then you're too successful so you've become a sellout just because you're successful Mm. but yeah the idea of the image is really interesting that they're seeing themselves in different incarnations but then they're also being criticized for just being that yeah and it's, it's also it's also how everyone all the women in the film are very made up 
so there is another sort of subplot within a TV, a female TV anchor who is has wears beautiful makeup, but 70s sort of brownie, autumn yes. colours. And then Laura Dern's mother, um, she's also, there's quite a lot, she's she's seen quite a lot and at times in the film. And she's, be- you know, beautiful makeup. She has mm. everything, a blusher, you know, everything is there. And it's interesting... It's the same, actually, with the girls in the punk band. It's just, it's different makeup. But they're both, yeah. you know, at the, it, there's one, Laura Dern's mother, when you first see her, the first thing you see is her putting on false nails um, onto wow. her fingers. And Diane Lane as Corinne Burns, she also has this sort of same, not very punk, actually, sort of same oval, oval sort of long nails and this sort of red colour. Um, so... There is a mirroring there, you know. They are they are not that different from the older generation of women mm. in some respects. But it, I suppose, it's that thing of certain makeups being certain styles of makeup being read as respectable yes. or as demure or as natural or enhancing your features. Yes, you know? yeah. yes, that's always hilarious. Mm. Um, but it's like it's all fake. It's all performance. Yes. it's all drama. So why can't you just put it on any old way yes. you fancy and any colours you fancy? But that's not the rule. Mm. So it's sort of interesting that it, it's really interesting that it's looking at generate like consciously or not a generational femininity. Yes, and no. accepted ideas and and also the way that older women tend to hark back to their key point in their life that when they were young and mm. the makeup and hair styles then. Mm. Yeah, which I guess. It, sorry, Coda. Coda is barking a lot because it's postman time. Oh, okay. And he has to monitor and bark at the postman. Oh, okay. At every opportunity. <laughs> Fortunately, our postman has a good sense of humor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because I guess like their mother's generation would be like fifties that they well, were in their heyday, and that's really artificial and. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the mother. The mother is very young she's sort of in the tv interview she says i'm 30 and then the, the right. laura dern says 34 or 35 <laughs> i can't remember so she is meant to be quite young but still that would make her having yeah would st- she would she would still have been born in the sort of late 40s so yes yeah so 60s i guess mm, mm. it's also interesting it- how it starts with her being interviewed about her the, the singer about her mother having just died yes. and that the old generation has to go before yeah. you can, you know, you you can't become yourself while you stay with your mother. You you have she has oh, that's to. Funny. She has to be gone. Either you go away, or yeah, sadly she has to die. Wow. But yeah, so I thought that's that was interesting. Extreme. Yeah, well, it sort of is, but then that is something that comes up, like in Beach Girl, you know that um sixty nineteen sixty film. Oh, Which I don't is, know that one. Oh, it's about a girl who... It's about a sort of re- rebellious girl. And again, there is a long... It's again another one of these tell tell films where they explain yes. everything. And a group of young people, they sit, they sit in a cellar at some point and then they talk about how... About the older generation and again how either they have grown up without fathers or... Yeah, it's, it's, it's just again this sort of generation, generation thing. And, and and having to completely reject it, but then yes. it's interesting that as you're speaking, it's you're showing how 
it's just the same but different. Yes, and how it has affected you. You know, the absence has affected you or the what they're like. It's not like you can disregard them. And the girls who are mimicking their outfits, like what age group are they? How old are they? Uh, They are, mm, I would say, teenagers. So, yeah, very young, actually. And I think... Mm. um, But are we talking like 13? No, more sort of 15, 16. I would think 15, 16, 17. So Diane Lane herself, I think, was 15 when she did the film. 15 or... Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, because I was trying to think how old Laura Dern would be, and surely she'd be really... She looks a tad older than Diane Lane, but also not older than 16, 17, I think. Wow. Yeah, and then the other person, uh, Maureen Cantor, she... She's the sister of Corinne, so they both run off together. Um, she looks she looks even younger. She's the younger sister, so she, in the film, I don't know whether in real yeah. life. But yeah, it's all about, which is another thing that is a little bit, it's these young girls are surrounded by a lot of older men. The punk the punk band, you know, they're all in their mid-twenties or so. And yeah. then the, the, the metal band is even older. And the industry guys, he's older as well. But at some point at the end, sort of Corinne is interviewed on TV and she said something about, oh, he was just a man in a young girl's world. Oh, my God. This is so good, isn't it? I want that on a T-shirt. Yeah. That is so good. I need to watch it again and write down all the one-liners or two-liners. There are a lot of them that are really, really good. Let's celebrate young girls and their world. Yes. Because they so often get ignored and it's just what the boys did in their subculture. So hooray for young girls. Yes, exactly. Yeah. She also said everyone should get a guitar on their 16th birthday from the state. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that would really have done anything for me. No, not zero musical abilities. Same But I like the sentiment. Yeah, yeah. I tried playing the guitar and it didn't go very well. So. Oh, did you? Yes, I did, yeah. Can you play any other musical instruments? I can. I, I used to be able to play the piano, but I don't think I could do it now. Um, no, no, I... And I, the triangle. I, <laughs> I was good on the triangle. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, t- that's a tricky one. Yeah, and the record, actually, I played too. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I know, I could be my own band. multi-instrumental. I could be my own band, which would be a weird band. <laughs> triangle recorder guitar and piano yeah wow mm. yeah but you should definitely watch it it's it's very good and i'm definitely going to watch it a few more times to get, get all the the nuances definitely yeah. i mm. just looked up laura dunn and she was born in 1967 oh, okay so she's even younger then yeah than i thought yeah but what about you did what you about... oh i thought you meant was i even younger <laughs> no um... <laughs> <laughs> no well, I, you know, I can hardly speak after hearing about all of this. Oh, okay. But what I can tell you, yeah. which I just so wish this was still on because I loved it so much. You know Bianca Saunders, the wonderful menswear designer. Oh, yeah. London-based. Well, I love her work. That's the starting point. And mm-hmm. then she sent me an email saying that she was going to have an exhibition in Brixton Market. So I was already super excited because just down the road. And I loved it so much. I went on Saturday, on, on Sunday with my friend Fruji, who's a, a mm. former student from years ago. And we were just like in heaven. It was so beautiful because it was in um, Granville Market, which is the one that's covered, you yeah. know, mm. not the like more gentrified one. 
And it was amazing because she'd taken over four abandoned units mm. in the market. So the first one, I don't, I mean, you could visit in any order. So I'm just telling you in the order we yeah. saw it. And it was such a sort of thoughtful, intelligent, beautiful, inspiring experience to, to sort of be in the market on a Sunday morning when it's quite quiet and drowsy and just amazing. And the first one that we went into was kind of, it, it was like the outside had sort of been recreated because it was like papered over with thick, white, jaggedly ripped card. Mm -hmm. And so you could see into it. And it was really clever because what was inside was Jazz Grant's collages. So it was almost like the the little oh, unit yeah. had become mm. a collage oh, itself. Because yeah. then when you were inside, there were two gaps so that you could look out and just see patches of the shops opposite mm. and people walking by. And her work, I didn't know, but is really lovely. It was really provocative. It's um, like found photographs and she'd chosen like images of black musicians or of sort of historically important moments and then cut out all the figures and sort of arranged them. So there's a sort of three-dimensional element to it. And then really bright, like green foliage, like palm trees just explode out from behind them or out of their jacket or out of their face or something. What's the name so again? Jazz Grant. Mm -hmm. Really, really wonderful. So it, it really sort of stops you in your tracks. And sometimes it seems like it's like a gathering of people and it seems like the greenness is quite oppressive and kind of squashing them and sometimes it seems quite celebratory and it makes you kind of look again at sort of famous figures but also general crowds of people mm. and sort of study it more so that was really wonderful so Fruji and I were already excited I mean honestly we were just so excited by all of this I can't even tell mm. you and then we went round and there was a shop again like a shop front in the market and it had Ronan McKenzie's photographs for Bianca Saunders' current campaign mm -hmm. in it and it was so lovely because the shop itself, the storefront is bright yellow with blue text and then there was sand on the floor and then like a blue curtain at the back and then just white walls and it had, I really, you must look, they're so beautiful, it's called Yellow the campaign mm -hmm. because it's referring to like her Caribbean heritage and like yellow walls and how you don't really get them here but they they somehow make things familiar that aren't because they refer to your home and mm. heritage life and it's shot on members of her family so it's really lovely it's like this connection between her work her family mm. her heritage and so it's her family and in the photographs they're on sad Mm. So it's again, as with Jazz Grant, it's like indoors, outdoors and nature and man-made combined. And there's like yellow melons and they're really beautiful photographs. And like they're sometimes they're sitting on like plastic garden chairs. So again, there's this blurring between where, quite where you are. Mm. And her cousin, we were very thrilled because her cousin who is in the campaign was in the room. So we liked that very wow. much. And she was wearing a yellow coat, mm. which she said she hadn't done deliberately, but we were very pleased that yeah. she had coordinated thing. And then there was another one where you went, like, because that was the other thing, because it kind of made you rediscover the market, because yes. the market's so familiar for, to me, because I've lived here so long. But it's like 
it was making me see angles of it that I haven't seen before. And like the other two were both upstairs. So you're suddenly in a bit of the market that you never used yeah, to Yeah, I didn't know there was whole kind of, No, I didn't. And there's a, this whole like labyrinth of rooms upstairs again, completely empty. And I was thinking, just give these to artists yes. in the community because mm. they're amazing spaces. So one was a film which was my absolute favourite, which was just so elegiac and beautiful. And it was a film of... Um, the Durba Festival, which is in the north of the north of Nigeria, to mark the end of Ramadan, and it was so so lovely. I really, really, really wish you could see it. I'm going to send you a video of it because mm, it's so extraordinary. There's stuff online it's, still. Yeah, um, it was by Akinola Davies, and it's like this festival where, from what I understand, like different villages, I think, or different locales have their own like contingents, and they make their own outfits and everything but it's it's outfits that look back to Nigerian history and so they wear these amazing robes and like headdresses and they're just extraordinary and they also the horses have like horse elaborate horse trappings oh they're on horses wow they're on horses Mm. sorry I should have said that earlier (laughs) because that's very important and it's just the the way that it was shown was incredible so you're in this like abandoned bit of the market and oh my god can you yes i can so so you're in this abandoned bit of the market so that's really weird and off but then this beautiful it's it was shown on three almost like sheets just white cloth so you're watching like fuji was saying it's like you're watching textiles on textiles which is really beautiful Mm. and it's very slightly slowed down and there was this wonderful music playing and it's like it's an entranceway so you stand in the room which is very raw because obviously it's not in use and there were two curtains almost like a proscenium and then one slightly further back in the middle white and you watch this amazing procession and like at one point they've got a hyena and at one point there was there was a boy one of the the boys on on the horses and he had like this amazing it almost looks like medieval twisted headdress but he was wearing plastic like women's jackie o sunglasses Mm. with it so like amazing and you see like people walking through the streets to get to the um palace and to get to the parade and it's just beautiful but then you can walk through to the other side so you can then see it back like the back of the film if you see what i mean oh okay yeah Mm. do you see what i mean yeah yeah. Mm. Mm. so you can see you can see the film from another angle it also reflects onto the wall opposite, so you're seeing it twice. And then there was a screen on the floor balanced on sand, which is a motif that runs through, playing at the normal speed. Oh, okay. Mm. So it was really just so rich yeah. and so exquisite and yet so simply done. It sounds amazing. I'm so really... sorry I missed it. Mm. Yeah, so it was just... Oh, it was so beautiful. And then the last one was, again, upstairs in an abandoned bit. And it was really lovely. It was really lovely to be up there because you can see down into the market in such a different way that Mm. that was amazing. But then the final one was um, two films. One was um, a performance artist who had... She had walked from Gresham Police Station to I think Peckham and filmed all of it and she was 
she was wearing like Nike Air Force Ones, which are obviously so kind of meaningful and iconic. Mm. But she was wearing them like the laces were tied around her ankles. Rochelle White is her name. And her laces were tied around her ankles and they were dragging behind her. And she was just kind of, it was almost like she was in a trance, just kind of walking through. Mm. And it was really, and then you'd get like close ups of the, of her putting on the sneakers or you'd get, you know, close ups of other sisters. And again, very sort of touching and poignant about like the city and the harshness Mm. of the city and then the black woman within the city. And then the last one was Caleb Femi and that was really good. That was three black boys who make honey. They share they create honey. Mm. So like them at Hive. So it was so beautiful. Mm. Like it must have been amazing if you didn't know it was on and you just stumbled across this Mm. series of and like such a great thing to do in the market. was just perfect and Bianca Saunders we briefly met her and said hello to her just like we were saying like what a generous beautiful thing to do because you can imagine some people if they were given that would just do promoting themselves yes Mm. kind of stuff Mm. whereas this was such a like thought there were so many threads that went through from one like I keep thinking about it more and more Mm. of the threads that went from one space and one artist to the next and from her like the materiality of her actual clothing designs to the photographs to the sand to the films to the college it was really wonderful it does sound wonderful it really oh, was I'll look up all those people yeah yeah no that like every it was it was so distinct and each each room was so distinct to that artist but there was such connection in terms of this sort of sense of it was called nearness so, mm. so that sense of sort of family, community, etc. But mm. like your own personal history and deeper histories. Mm. Oh my goodness, Kojo has got very excited now and is just running as fast as he can up and down the stairs. Oh, okay. I think I should probably oh, yeah, yeah, do something. Break this cycle yeah, of overexcitement yeah. of whatever it is that's going on with him. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you talk soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.